Growing up, I had a grandfather with this big, boisterous personality. But my favorite memory about him was his nickname. My grandfather was widely known as Captain Midnight. I kid you not, everyone referred to him as Captain Midnight. He even had a personalized license plate with his nickname on it. But the best part about this story is the origin, the story behind how he got this nickname. I'll never forget being at his funeral. He passed away when I was in high school. And someone came up to me at the reception after the service and asked me, Amy, where did your grandfather get this nickname? And so, of course, I gave him the same explanation that my grandfather had given me when I had asked him that same question a few years before. And I pointed out, and I said, well, you know, my grandfather was in the Army, and it was at some point during his service to our country, and he was serving in World War II, that his buddies there, for some reason, called him Captain Midnight, and the name stuck from there. So I felt pretty good. I got to share that my grandfather, it was because he was a war hero. Well, lo and behold, my aunt happened to be standing nearby, and she was one of his three daughters. And she starts laughing. And she steps over to me, and because she has overheard this exchange, and she said, um, Amy, that's not where that nickname came from. So I was shocked, of course. I thought, well, that's what Paul had told me. But apparently, his nickname actually came much later than his time in the war. My, my grandparents lived near the Elks Lodge in Greensboro. Um, in fact, you could even kind of cut in behind their house and walk up the street a little bit, and there you were. My grandfather loved to play cards there. He had a good group of buddies that he would play with. And while my grandmother was a patient woman, apparently she got to a point in time where she needed to instill a curfew on my grandfather. Yeah. So his buddies started to pick up on the fact that around 11.50 or so each night that they played, that win, lose, or draw, my grandfather was folding his hand and heel-toeing it back to his house. So that was actually the group of buddies that started to call him Captain Midnight because they knew that if he didn't get home before midnight, he was going to have to face the wrath of my grandmother. So that was the actual story behind his famous nickname. I love the fact that he wanted his granddaughter to remember him as a war hero instead of a poker player, um, but <laughs> I still think of him that way, and in fact, the, truth, the true story behind that origin really just makes him all the more endearing to me. But anyway, the thing is, is that all of us have nicknames. We all have labels or identities or nicknames that kind of come our way throughout life, and Sometimes they are good-natured and fun-loving like my grandfather's. But today we are in week three of our Identity Crisis series. And so today we're looking specifically at identity theft, those negative messages about ourselves that come into our minds that actually threaten our identity, things that we all face. And I believe that arguably all of those negative messages about ourselves can be lumped under the umbrella of four words. I am not enough. I am not enough. Every single one of us fights these words in some form or fashion. And the thing about these words is they can take on so many different shapes and sizes that are just as unique as each of us. 
Maybe it's, I'm not capable or strong or educated or successful enough. I'm not attractive or fit or thin enough. I'm not lovable or likable or valuable or worthy or popular enough. I am not enough. I'm not a good enough mom or dad, or I just feel like I always fall short as a husband or a wife or a son or daughter. I just never feel like I can measure up as an employer or employee or friend or student or neighbor or volunteer. We all fight this. And I think if each of us were to take a little bit of time and look back on our past and maybe even some current circumstances, then each of us can probably find some of the physical origins as to why we have those messages in our heads. Maybe you can notice that, okay, probably one of the reasons that I struggle to feel lovable is because of that neglectful or absent parent growing up. Maybe it was some harsh words from a teacher or a coach that cut us from a team. Maybe it was an ex in our life that wounded us so greatly that we now struggle to see ourselves clearly. Or maybe it was ourselves. Maybe it was something that we did, a mistake that we made, or a series of destructive choices that led us to a place where we feel so covered in shame that we don't know if we are ever going to measure up. And hey, if it's none of those, all we really need to do is sit down with social media for about 10 minutes, and that alone will make us feel like we are not enough. And while I think that we can each find some of those physical origins in our life as to why or where those messages have come from, what I want us to do today is to consider that it actually goes deeper than that, that there's actually a spiritual reality at play here, one that is invisible but incredibly powerful. Jesus himself explains that we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. He describes him as the father of lies and even as a thief who has come to kill, steal, and destroy us, especially our identity. And throughout the Bible, we can pick up on different characteristics of Satan, that he is conniving and very sneaky and incredibly patient. But fortunately, God knew that we were going to struggle with this. He knew it was going to be a battle for all of us, and so he didn't leave us as just helpless prey. Instead, there are so many different times throughout his word that he offers us encouragement and empowerment for this. But I want to take us today specifically to a couple of verses in the book of 1 Peter. Peter was a close friend and follower of Jesus during his ministry here on earth. And he was instrumental in the foundation of that early church. But before we step into his words, I think it's incredibly important for us to remember the origin of these words. You see, when Peter sat down and wrote these words, or possibly scribed them, He didn't think to himself, okay, I'm going to sit down and write a book of the Bible. No, the Bible did not even exist at this point. It was nowhere on Peter's radar. What was on his focus was the early church. And he knew at that time that it was under intense scrutiny. 
and his fellow Christians were heavily persecuted. And so really, he was just sitting down to write a letter to them, a letter in his effort to, to bring them hope and encouragement. And little did he know that over 2,000 years later, he would be doing the same thing for us. So keeping that context in mind, let's step into these words. We're going to step into chapter 5 and starting with verse 8. So Peter tells us to be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. So pay attention, be focused, and have a clear head. Okay, why do we need to do this, Peter? Well, he tells us. Your enemy, the devil, prowls prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Wow, incredible imagery he's given us. He goes on to tell us in verse 9, resist him. Resist the devil standing firm in the faith. So what I think, what we can pull just from these two verses is an identity protection plan, a plan that we can put into place that can help protect our identity against the lies that come into our minds. And this plan is simple. It's it's applicable, it's practical, and it only has three steps, but I think it's incredibly effective. So the very first step we're going to find and pull from those words that we saw from Peter when he tells us to to stay focused and have a sober mind. So step one is simply to recognize. Recognize. First of all, recognize that this spiritual reality is at play. But then secondly, that we must be able to recognize the lie that Satan tries to put into our minds about us. Now, when it comes to the spiritual reality, every single message that comes into our minds as it pertains to our identity ultimately comes from one of two sources. It is either from Satan or it is from God. So we must be able to recognize the difference. I love the way Pastor Ike has shared with us in a previous message a while back that the best way to do this is to ask ourselves, whose voice does that sound like? So as a message comes into our mind to just pause, okay, does this voice sound like someone who is for me? A heavenly, loving father who wants to encourage me, who is for me, who wants good things for me? Or does this voice sound like someone who is an enemy, someone who is against me, someone who wants to harm me? Whose voice does it sound like? And we, when we recognize that this message that has come into our mind that is hurtful, that is demeaning, that wants to, to harm us, then we can then recognize and that must be the voice of Satan. Okay, so recognize, so important. Then the second step, as Peter started off verse verse 9 for us, his first two words were resist him. And so step two is simply resist. So as soon as we recognize that lie that comes into our mind, we immediately have to then choose to resist it. And that's when we make that conscious choice that I am not going to listen to that. That is hurtful. It is against me. I'm not going to give it any focus. So resist. But Peter doesn't leave us at that. 
because then he told us that we must stand firm in the faith. So our third word is to remain. Our third step is remain. Remain standing in our faith. Remain trusting that we are who God says that we are. I love the way that Pastor Jonathan started off this series a couple weeks ago as he was explaining to us what does, it, what does it mean, what does it look like when our identity is set in Jesus. And he pointed out three characteristics, that we are unconditionally loved, that we are fully valued, and that we have a divine purpose. And so that third step where we remain, that means that we remain trusting in these truths, we remain focused that we are who God says that we are. So remain. Now, putting all of this together, what does it look like practically to, to put this type of plan into place? So let me give you a bit of a sneak peek of what goes on in this mind of mine, because I have to put this type of thing into place on a pretty regular basis, I have to admit. So I'm going to give you a quick example of what it looks like as it pertains to my role as a mom. My husband and I have two boys that are teenagers, and so I've been a mom for over 17 years now. So picture, if you will, just a rough morning in the Laughlin house, okay? Maybe we overslept. That alone is enough to get my tensions rising, and uh, maybe we're disorganized and we're trying to find things where the keys and maybe the dog threw up on the carpet, the boys are fussing with each other, whatever that looks like. It's a recipe for me to lose it, <laughs> and I do. I start yelling, and it's ugly. <laughs> my head probably spins around three times. And my voice goes into this octave that is so shrill that the dog probably can't even hear it. Uh, but ugly mama has come out. <laughs> it is rough. But inevitably, as things simmer down, the voice starts in my head. You are a horrible mom. I cannot believe you just spoke to your boys that way. They're probably going to be in therapy for the rest of their lives just because of you. And why couldn't you make them an omelet, a fresh omelet like your friend posted on Instagram yesterday? You couldn't even bother to throw them a zone bar for breakfast. What kind of mom are you? I have to immediately recognize that that is the voice of Satan in my mind. And as soon as I do, I have to then choose to immediately resist it. And that's, that's me saying back, okay, I'm not listening to that. Look, I made enough of a mess this morning without your voice in my head. I don't need it. So that's when I have to push it aside. But I can't leave it at that. That's when I have to remain trusting that I'm still who God says that I am. And I ask him to remind me. And that's when the voice of God sounds a whole lot more like, yeah, Amy, that didn't go so well. That was pretty rough. But I chose you. I chose you to be their mom. Trust me to empower you to be the best mom that you can be. And it's with that voice in my head that I'm then able to go back to my guys and say, hey, I am so sorry that I spoke to you that way. Can you forgive me? You see, 
Satan tries to use my mistake against me. He tries to cover me in shame and throw me in a pit and just leave me there. Because not only at that point is he hurting my identity as a mom, but he's also trying to drive a wedge and come between my boys and me. You don't do that. (laughs) Whereas in contrast, God's voice, he tries to use my mistake to actually empower me to be a better mom, to use that as an opportunity for me to try to connect with my guys on a stronger level. There is an incredible difference between the shame of Satan and the conviction from God. And I have noticed that the more and more that I stand firm in remaining and trusting that I am who God says that I am, the easier and easier it is becoming for me to recognize and then resist those lies from Satan when they come into my head. So think of it this way. Bank tellers, when they are trained on counterfeit money, they don't choose to spend their time studying the counterfeits. They don't spend their time focused on the fakes. Instead, they focus on the real thing. They know these bills so well. They know the texture and the feel. They know every single color and nuance and image every single detail of this bill so well that when a counterfeit does come along, they're immediately able to recognize it. And that's how we must be too, to resist the temptation to sit and focus and stew on those negative messages that come into our mind about ourselves, but instead to fix our thoughts, fix our minds, and remain firm that we are who God says that we are, even when we don't feel like it. So that is my hope and my prayer and my encouragement for each of us today, that we are able to put a type of plan like this in place, that we are able to recognize and resist those lies of Satan and to remain firm that we are who God says that we are. Now, I recognize that today's message, likely more so than many others, lands in a variety of different ways across this room today. One of the things that I love about the Summit Church is that we attract people with so many different types of backgrounds. And so I know that there are people in this room today that you're thinking to yourself, wow, I don't even know if I believe in God, and this lady wants me to believe in Satan. I get it. I, can, I know that that is a pretty tall order, especially considering how culture has diminished Satan into being just this cartoon-type figure that sits on our shoulder and tries to tell us to do some bad things. I can see how that would feel pretty far-fetched. But if that's you today, can I just encourage you to lean into this anyway? Lean into this anyway. In fact, you can still put this plan in place even through your doubts. Even if you were to just take step two to resist and those negative messages that come into your mind that tell you that you are not enough to just simply choose to resist that, that alone is a huge step. 
But I really just want to encourage you to resist the temptation of dismissing all of this as foolishness. No matter where you find yourself in your beliefs about the spiritual reality, because if you think about it, if Satan is real, isn't that exactly what he would want you to do anyway, to just dismiss all of this? Now, those of us who are Christians, those who do consider yourself to be a Christ follower, I have to say that this is not neutral for us or it's not optional. We cannot simply decide to opt out. There's no neutral ground here. No, we either choose to put a plan in place that protects our identity from the schemes of Satan, or we will blindly follow his lies right off of a cliff. And so my question for myself today, for you today, is do you believe? Do you believe that you are who God says that you are? Do you believe it? Do you trust that you are unconditionally loved and fully valued and that God has a divine purpose for you? Do you believe that? Because see, it is one thing as Christians for us to say that we believe in God, but it's a whole nother level for us to say that we believe him, especially when it comes to our identity. Because every single lie that we accept from Satan, we are essentially looking at our creator and saying, I don't believe you. You see, when Satan tries to get into our minds to tell us that we are not enough, it is his hope and his goal to basically put us on this hamster wheel. You know, if I just try a little bit harder, if I just do a little bit more, then I'm going to feel like enough. Then, then I'm going to be worthy. And we can exhaust ourselves there. You know, it, once I get that college degree, then I'm going to be capable. Or when I'm able to buy that house, then I'm going to be successful. Or if, if I could just lose maybe 10 more pounds, or, or when I get married, or when I'm able to retire, if we are not careful, we will spend the rest of our lives on this hamster, hamster wheel of do, 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 perform, 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 and we will wear ourselves out. And I can tell you that the best place that I can be is when I find that I am at the end of myself. And I can say back to Satan, you know what? You are right. You're right. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not bold enough to step outside of my comfort zone and do what God is calling me to do. I am not gracious enough to extend forgiveness to that person that has hurt me. I am not brave enough to start that difficult conversation that is gonna be so hard, but incredibly necessary. I am not enough. But Jesus is. Jesus is enough. And the day that I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, we became one. We became one and we are connected and nothing can change that. 
not my own insecurities, not my own stupidity or mistakes, not even the lies of Satan can change that. And when I remember that my identity is set and secure in Jesus, then in and with and for and through him, I am enough because he is enough. Ironically, Jesus himself has told us that we are not enough, but with a completely different motive. In John chapter 15, verse five, he tells us, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And when Jesus tells us that, it is his hope to bring us closer to him, to bring us to that point of vulnerability where we simply say, I'm done, (laughs) I'm exhausted, I need a savior. It's his hope to draw us closer into relationship with him when he tells us that. Extraordinarily different than the motives of Satan. You see, Satan's first motive, and first and foremost, is first that we will never accept Christ to begin with. That he will fill our minds with so many insecurities and doubts that we never even accept him. That is his first goal. But once we do, our eternity is set. Our eternity is set and Satan cannot harm that. He cannot hurt that at all. And so he drops back to plan B. And plan B is that hamster wheel. Plan B is that effort to at least hurt our temporary and to render us ineffective for Jesus, for that divine purpose that we have in Him. He knows that as long as we are on that wheel of performance, of trying to prove our worth, that we are distracted, that we are distracted and rendered ineffective for Jesus. That is His second goal. And all the while, Jesus is standing right beside that wheel And he has given us free will to either choose on a daily basis that I'm just gonna stay here and I'm just gonna keep trying and keep working and exhaust myself, or I'm gonna choose to step off and say, I need you. I need a savior. I need my savior. Do we believe that? Can you imagine if we do? Can you imagine what it would be like if we could get this right on a daily basis? The hope and the freedom from that captivity is ours. Imagine the peace and the comfort and just the rest that we find in Him. Because the thing is, it goes beyond our identities. It affects everything else. Imagine what our homes would look like If we could get this right, no longer are we placing the burden on our children's shoulders to affirm for us who we are. No longer do we look to our husband or our wife, our significant others, to to validate our identity. No, it is set and confident in Christ. It goes beyond our homes. We take that into our workplaces and into our communities. 
And it even goes beyond our relationships because it affects everything. It'll affect our calendars. Last week, Phil was sharing with us that when our identities are set, then it determines our activities and not the other way around. And so it helps us to know what to say yes and what to say no to. It affects our worldview. It affects how we spend money. It affects everything. And that's exactly why this is a threat to Satan. Because it's that important. So we get to choose. Is he the threat to us or are we the threat to him? We get to choose to step off of that wheel every single day and recognize that we have freedom in Christ Let's ask God to help us. Father God, we love you. Oh, we thank you. We need your help in this, God. We thank you that you have already set and secured our identity through the cross and through Jesus, that you truly love us unconditionally, no matter what Satan tells us, no matter what the world tells us, we are fully valued in you. And we know, we trust that we have a divine purpose in you. God, help us through this this plan that Peter gave us. God, give us the courage, give us the wisdom and the discernment that we need to be able to recognize that voice and that lie from Satan when he tries to get into our minds. And then, Father God, give us the courage and the strength to resist that message. Help us to remain focused on you every day, God. Boy, the lies of Satan are so strong. We need you. We love you and we're so grateful for the cross and for the freedom and the security and the confidence in that. It's in your perfect son's name that we pray. Amen.